How are you doing there? Just a quickie before we start. On the Apple podcast, why don't you double click on David McWilliams Plus? It's right there when you open the podcast. You get ad free, you unlock early access. Just double click and away you go. David McWilliams Plus, you get this pure and simple. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. How are you doing there? We are laughing here. We're adopting the Sam Beckett approach to life. Fail, fail, fail better. All that sort of stuff. I hope you are well. We are really back in the saddle now because last week... Back we, for real. Back for real. Back for real. It's 2023. It's going to be a champion year. I've decided. I don't know why, but I've decided I can feel it in my water. I have been in the States, John. I've got that American... You've got, got the glow, American the excitement. Glow. Exactly. It's like everything can happen. The world yeah. is your oyster. It's all possible. In actual fact, I was in Miami. Haven't been there for a long, long time. It's a fab city. Yeah. It really is fab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is extraordinary is it's completely Latin. Everyone speaks Spanish. Yeah. I mean, I, the last time I was there, and you could really feel it, it was, it was about 10 years ago. Mm. And of course, Spanish was spoken almost course, yeah. everywhere. But now, Spanish is the first language of every waiter, every bartender, everyone in retail, the whole thing. It's, Our friend DeSantis doesn't like this much. Well, where do you think DeSantis is from? I it's know, but this is... In Limerick. <laughs> do you know what I mean? He's hardly a Caucasian European. But, but, but that's his whole thing, though, isn't it? But his name is Dos Santos. I know. Which I means know. the saint. Yeah. It means maybe two saints. Yeah. Uno Santos, Dos Santos. Sort and the border, as he says. But anyway, I was there and there was, a, you know, so I've got the vibrancy of America, which mm. will really give you a pain in the arse. Because it, you'll just say, would you stop? It gives you an energy boost, though, I find. It really does. And, and, and it's funny, yeah. my kids have never been to the States. Really? Oh. Yeah. Uh, out of choice. They're that great Irish Gen Z American haters. That's the. Yeah, I know. None um, of my kids want to go. Well, it's funny, but when they were there, they said, Oh, I get it now, Dad. I get the excitement. I get the fact that, you know, the cars are bigger, the streets are bigger, the drinks are bigger. The asses are bigger. Yeah. <laughs> they are. <laughs> not only, and if they're not that big, you can get bigger asses. Yeah, yeah. John, yeah. you should get your arse injected this year. <laughs> the Kim Kardashian of podcasting. But apparently, Kim has actually got her ass minimized. Really? Yeah, yeah. 
no, I downsizing. Think these are the these are the things I learned, John. These are the things Amazing. I learned. You know, this head is full of absolute <laughs> nonsense. So uh, that so, that kind of goes with the markets, does it? The the, the ass gets bigger as the markets grow. Yeah, actually, then, you could be right. Actually, you could. There's be a right. correlation there's there, a, John. There is a correlation. It's called arse economics, <laughs> of which we're experts. Of which we are absolutely flatulent experts. We are the flatulent <laughs> exemplars of arse economics. But no, it's so that was that was my. Uh, that's how we got back to yesterday. So yeah. So I'm all full of American enthusiasm. Yeah, good, 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 good. 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 And listen, uh, uh, we have to say uh, a slight somber moment. Sasha. Yeah, we had our gorgeous dog for 15 years who went to sleep for the last time on Christmas Eve. Yeah. And she broke her collarbone. So she was getting very old, as you know. Yeah, yeah. And I actually want to give a shout out to a vet called Maeve Walsh. Maeve Walsh is from a runs a veterinary clinic in Galway called Bushy Park Vet Clinic, and the reason I want to give Maeve a shout out is on this podcast about eighteen months ago, I was trying to explain to you supply chain problems. That's right. Yeah. And you were saying, give me an example of supply chain because economists always talk about the supply chains have got problems and consequently we've got inflation. And I said there was a drug. A aromatic drug for old dogs called Vitalin, I think. And anyway, the local vet here in Dunleary mm. ran out of it. And I was saying to you, that's a great example of supply chains. Yeah. So the drug has been imported. And of course, like all medical drugs are a combination of maybe 10 inputs. So if the supply chain of one of those inputs goes, the actual drug, they call it the golden screw idea. Right. Basically, in manufacturing, you can miss one screw and the whole production process stops. Yeah, yeah. Right, so the whole production had stopped. And I told, I'd given you an example. And then on Twitter, I got a tweet saying, I heard you this morning. I've got some of that medicine in my clinic, right? We've stored some of that medicine up. And that was Maeve Walsh. Mm. And I said, well, this is lovely. And she said, and you know what? I'm actually up in Dublin. Next week. I remember she popped in and she that came day. in here. Yeah. So Sasha, the beautiful Sasha, had her own personal physician, <laughs> okay, for the last 18 months. And that was Maeve. So every time we gave her that rheumatic drug, her shoulders, what happens in Labradors in particular is they get very, very, they get, they get rheumatism, they get arthritis, their joints seize up. Mm. And this gave Sasha, so Maeve, thank you so much. It gave her about 15 months grace period. Yeah. And of course, what happens to labs, if you know anything of the temperament of labs or old dogs in general, is they will always pretend that they're much better than they are. They mm. won't show that they're ailing. So on the night before Christmas Eve, we went out for a walk and we would only walk a tiny bit now. We don't yeah, walk yeah, yeah. 100 yards. And of course, what happens is the old dog wants to tell you that they're still good. So she started to run in that sort of almost <laughs> playful puppy-like thing. Yeah. She went over and broke her collarbone. And oh, at that stage, we went to the vet. And they they said, "Look, this is not going to get any better." And it's her life, and, and of course, she was losing her mind as well. Mm. As you remember, and she, her eyesight, she, and she, also, but she was her hearing. She was perfect <laughs> partner for me, right? <laughs> and basically, what happens is you get so close to dogs that they are your whole life. You forget it. I mean, I've always, as you've known me for years, yeah, all I've known life, all your dogs. I've been Snowy, a dog person, Bruno. Yeah, you know, yeah, the whole all right, yeah. Finn, all of Fionn, yeah. all those things, and 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 so. Yeah, so it was really, uh, it was a very, very difficult Christmas. Yeah, in the no, I, and I can imagine, and and Chan, the kids, and all the rest, they all missed the dog. But, but the, the reason the vets why in Dunleary, I'd say they 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 came and they said, "Look, we can do this whichever way you want." And they came to the house, 
and they sedated her. Right. So we were all there. So it was it was it was lovely in the end. You know, the, the right thing to do because she wouldn't have got better. And the reason I I mentioned Sasha and brought that up is because you know, you probably would have heard Sasha clickety clacking oh, yes, around yes. here during many of podcasts and the, the podcast that she wasn't clickety clacking around on the floor here. She'd be lying here listening to economics. So she was the most boned up oh, she was. <laughs> on she, economics yeah, dog. She was a canine economist of all things. But for anybody who uh, has lost a dog, I know your pain. I can feel it. And for those of you who have an old dog, look after them because they do get old very quickly. Those of you who have a young dog, you're blessed and you never know. We may well have one very soon again. Oh. And now I'm not too sure if herself upstairs yeah, is really yeah, into yeah. the new you, dog straight away, but uh, sometimes that's that's the way. Anyway, but so that's, that's looking Sasha f- McWilliams, RIP 2022. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, 2023, Mike, what's, what's on the agenda? What's your big thing? Well, John, my main thing is I am publishing a magnus opus, my book, on money. It's called Money, the Story of Humanity. Excellent. And it is going to be published by Simon Schuster. When? In September. Right. And I'm now in the editing phase. So it's been weighing down. I mean, writing a book is... <laughs> I, by the way, it certainly has. It has been. It has been. It has been. But it is... Great it, stuff, it, 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 it is basically... The, the central idea of the book is the story of money, the history of mm. money. But money is a technology. This is the story that humans invented. It's a man-made technology that has profoundly affected us as a species. So many, many anthropologists will talk about humans being what they call a pyrophyte species, which is a species profoundly affected by fire, the first technology, Mm. right? So even in our physical shape, our physical form, the shape of our digestion system, the shape of our faces, cooking, all this 
fire has changed us profoundly because fire changed energy. Because fire changed yeah. the way we ingested food. It changed fire. So many, many ancient anthropologists would say fire is the technology that has changed us so much so that we are a what they call a pyrophyte species. Right. My argument in this book, my central argument, is we are now a plutophyte species. <sighs> we right. are a species that has been changed profoundly by a technology, and that technology is money. So okay. it starts with Babylon and it ends with Bitcoin. So right, it's a okay. massive 5,000 years spread of the influence of money on humanity and the influence of humanity on money. And the fact that if you look at all the other elements of the world, right? So you have the four major elements. You have wind, earth, wind, fire, and water. Great band. Okay, exactly, <laughs> exactly. We might have a little bit of, was it boogie? Was it? <laughs> boogie. He's playing such fantastic air guitar here. Anyway, so if you think of those four elements, all exists in nature those elements. Mm. And they've all had a profound impact of us. And if you go back to the ancients, they always talk about the elements, their impact on us and our impact on them. What I'm saying is that money is the fifth element. It is a, an element that we created. It's our element and it has changed our world. And if you go right back to history, when you see the various iterations of money, where it starts, where it goes, how it changes society, how it changes Greeks, Roman society, yeah, yeah. prior to that, the Lydians, prior to that, even the economy of the hunter-gatherers. So you go right, right back. And then we go right forward. You go through Renaissance, the Reformation, the Dark Ages. And what you see is at every stage where there are significant innovations in money, there are significant innovations in everything else. So the civilizations okay. that understood money propelled themselves forward for one or two reasons. One is because money motivates us for right or wrong, mm. and motivation is human genius. And number two, money is an organizational technology. It organizes us. It basically makes our complex world less complex and more simple. Mm. So there's a lot of stuff in it. There's a lot of anthropology. There's a lot of evolutionary biology, and there's a huge amount of economics as well. But how do you, how do you separate money, the technology, with, say, you know, trade? Because money came around because you needed to trade stuff. So, you know, whether it's trading beans or... Or, or carry shells or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so how do you separate so what, what I So what I'm arguing is that trade and money come from this notion of value. Mm. And value is this bizarre human idea. It's actually only in our imagination. Yeah. Right? It doesn't exist. So if you look, we spoke it's about... Like we, spoke, we spoke about Sasha earlier on, right? Yeah. The amazing thing about no other animal does money. Yeah. Every other animal is afraid of fire. They understand water, you know, they, you know right? Yeah. But they're, they don't do, because money is a total human concept, it exists in our imagination. Then once you have value, you have the mechanism for trade. So you can say, well, I don't particularly like this, so I'll trade that with you. Mm. And I'll say, well, I'll, I'll give you two of this for that. So trade then becomes the way in which humans pass, not just goods, but information and knowledge. Yeah. So what you notice is the countries that traded a lot with each other, became much, much more advanced very, very quickly. Right. Because they traded information. Yeah, yeah, and ideas and, you, and stuff. If you yeah. go back to, for example, human anthropology, and if you go back to looking at biology, what you see is that, well, because I've, I've read it and other people hardly came up with it myself, is that humans are, we know, at our best when we collaborate. 
It's, it's basically two heads are better than one, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're at our best when we collaborate. And then what leads to collaboration is this idea of trading ideas with each other. So one of the arguments in the book, and there's many arguments as you can hear, one of the arguments is, you know, the way people say money is the root of all evil. Mm. In many cases it was, but equally money was actually the root to peace because what you find in the ancient world is that trade and money suggested to us we didn't have to kill the next person to get their goodies. We could trade. Yeah. So as we became more financially astute, we actually killed each other less. So it was actually a mechanism for peace. So there's a lot of unusual things, but trade... But that was the, also the basis of the likes of the origins of the EC. It was going to be a trading tre- block. Tre- so the Treaty of Rome, the Treaty yeah. of Rome, 1957. And, you know, you're absolutely right. So, so you've got trade, you've, but also what intrigues me even more than the economics is the impact on the human animal. Mm. on us and the impact. So there's a, there's a very interesting piece in ter- terms of trade is there's a great example historically what happens when societies are cut off from trade, actually what happens to our brains, right? And uh, we're a little bit of a side now, but uh, in Tasmania, I take you to Tasmania in the late 18th century, John. <laughs> exactly. Tasmania, the, the Brits arrive, the Dutch and the Brits arrive and what they're intrigued by, John, is how the native people of Tasmania are so much more backward than the native people of Australia. Oh, yeah. They're trying to figure this out. They're trying to think, Mm. okay, well, they're only separated by about 100 miles of water. And yet what they found was that the implements the Tasmanians were using hadn't progressed much more and implements that Neanderthals were using in Europe 40,000 years ago. Whereas the native people in Australia, the Aboriginal people, had all sorts of technologies and all sorts of ways of doing things. They had boats and they had nets and they had spears and they had little ceramics. They had all sorts of things suggesting that they were learning all the time. Mm. So they're trying to figure out what happened to these people. Now, what actually happened to them was they got cut off by the Ice Age, right? So Tasmania would have looked like Florida. Right. Back to Miami, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But it gets cut off from the Australian mainland. And over time, because there was no humans around to keep adding to the knowledge base and to keep questioning people, these people in Tasmania forgot how to do things. So they regressed profoundly. Okay. So having had exactly the same when the explorers came, the Dutch and the Brits, mm. they couldn't understand that these people couldn't make boats, they couldn't sail. Right? Right, okay. People in Tasmania couldn't sail. They were trying to figure out, why is this? Which is odd for uh, an island people. A, an island people. And it's also odd from the fact that we know that humans got to Australia by sailing. Yeah. 50,000 years ago. Yeah. So these people, they couldn't fish. They had no nets. They had none of these things. And the theory is that because they didn't trade with each other, because they were isolated, their brains got smaller. They actually became, not their brains, but their Mm. social brain. So this is the idea that what really defines humans is not our individual intelligence, but our collective intelligence that makes us a profoundly both dangerous and amazing species. And our collective intelligence is a social intelligence, which we learn from each other. Yeah. And that is one of the reasons, it's a thing called the rule of 150, again, in biology, which is that what has been seen for many, many years is that humans naturally like to be in groups of 150, 150 people. Really? Yes. And this is where... That's like the, the sweet spot. That's the sweet spot. And that's what you think in, in platoons in the army. What the armies have figured out is that 150 men 
is the perfect standard amount of people where the bonds are sufficiently strong that you work together. So a battalion is usually 150 yeah, men? Yeah, so, so basically what happened in loads of armies, they, tried to, they always tried to expand the battalions, they never worked. Yeah. So it came back to this figure. So you see 150 goes back and forth. And why you know, is that? Do you know why it's, that is? It's, it's do, they call it the brain capacity, right? Is that big, you know that great Irish expression, my head is melted, Yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Think about my yeah. head is melted, right? That <laughs> happens very yeah, regularly yeah. for Evil, me. By, in evolutionary terms, our head get, gets melted when there's more than 150 relationships around us. Right. And this comes from a very, very deep hunter-gatherer. If you think that we were hunter-gatherers for 400,000 years, we've only been urbanized for 5,000 years. Yeah. That means that, and we could, I mean, we, and you can go back much, much further than that. You, you can, we could have, you know, it's millions of years we've been knocking around. Yeah. yeah. Right. So basically evolution was kind of mugged by agriculture. And agriculture fast-forwarded everything. Yeah. And we became urbanized. Yeah. And when we became urbanized, it was like, shit, there's more than 150 people here. My head is melted. Right? <laughs> and we had You're to... Right come... Neanderthal go, Jesus. My head's yes. fucking melted, man. <laughs> I walked into that boozer, right? And then we figured out, well, we had to come up with the technology yeah. to allow us to negotiate this new, more complicated world so our head wouldn't be melted. Mm. And what I'm arguing is money is that technology. Right, okay. Money yeah. makes the world simple because it gives us rules, it gives us verticals, it gives us horizontals, all that sort yeah. of stuff. So the book is, and I mean, the book goes all the way, South Sea Bubble, all the stuff we talk about, yeah. you know, the, all yeah, the yeah, various yeah. things, Victorian economics, you know, classical economics, all that sort of stuff. But a lot of the stuff that really fascinates me is that really ancient stuff. But, but see, you, you have, uh, one of the things I know about you is that you have this great interest in society and how societies work. Yeah. So you're not just, it's not just the economics and the numbers and the charts and all that kind of stuff that you nerd out about, but it's <laughs> but it's how it actually works within a society yeah, and, and how societies actually function. How people function. And and this whole idea of the, the core of the of modern society is money. It's money, yeah. And, and, and the interesting thing about money, it's not right or wrong, it just mm. is. Yeah. It's a technology that exists and you can take the view that it's wrong yeah. or you can take the view that it's right. But what I'm trying to do in this book is say money is the story of humanity. This is the technology that more than anything else has made us yeah. what we are. And then, of course, when we come to modern day economics, sourcing your monetary theory all the way back and seeing the way it affected the Romans. So the Romans were unbelievably brilliant at credit. This was their magical moment, yeah. right? The Greeks were unbelievably brilliant at coinage, right? That was their magical moment. Yeah. You go all the way up, and of course, it's Medici, at Dante, of course, of Dante course, is there. Yeah, yeah. All these things. And we come back he to it. He gets a, a shout out in the book. He gets a huge shout out. We will yeah. come back to it uh, over the course of the next year, but this is, this is the thing. And then we go right up to, to crypto. Yeah. Because in crypto's defense, money has always evolved, right? Yeah. There's always been an evolution in money in crypto's defense. But I think the problem is that you also see when you understand economic theory and monetary history that there are moments of total bullshit where yeah. people are just flogged. Yeah. I just say money is what I would call a social technology. That Money brings people together and it is at the core of everything. And also technology is at the core of human progress. Mm. There's a great scene, uh, back to, remember I was talking, I was watching the Space Odyssey. Yes. And there's a very interesting scene in Space Odyssey, about eight minutes in, if you're into it. Where <laughs> I think it was asleep by then. <laughs> you, have a, you, have, you have an ape. You have an ape. And he's, they're all the apes are, 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 right. are, yeah. are, are jumping around. They're making their ape noises, right? Yeah. And then one of them picks up a bone, a bone which yeah, is the femur. Right. Mm. And he figures out, ah, 
I can use this to bash the head off someone, mm. right? And he's using, he's bashing things, right? So that's a technology. That's a tool, right? Yeah. And the technology enables humans to do other things. And there's a certain moment where Kubrick has the ape with the bone and he's bashing away. So the guy with the bone becomes the boss ape, right? Yeah. Because of the technology, mm. right? And then he throws the bone up in the air. I don't know if you remember this. I do, I the do. The bone, actually, this yeah. big white bone, those, and it suddenly morphs into a spaceship, right? Yeah. And what Kubrick was brilliantly saying there, and this is where you don't have to be an economist to figure this shit out, okay? <laughs> is that the technology has always propelled humans forward. And whether it was a chimpanzee or a human ape four or mm. apoid primate. That was step one. Using the, yeah, and you get to yeah. you know, the Apollo landings or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. And I've always felt that that's fascinating. But typically economists talk about technology as in the plow or the tractor or the laptop, yeah. right? I'm much more interested in social technologies that bring us together, right, that make humans more efficient. And of course, money is the classic one. Another one would be the law, right? Even company formations. Oh, sorry. It's the law, yeah. Institutional legal systems. You know, these these are legal systems, uh, the company formations, all these things are ways of doing things better, which allocate human ability and resources and talent in a more productive way, Mm. right? So, but to take that idea, the Kubrick idea of always look at the technology, because it's the technology that propels humans forward. And if we look at something like money from perspective, it's not about rich and poor. It is also, and we can come back to that, and we mm. do in the book, but it's also, it's about a social technology that brings people together. And anything that encourages mass collaboration for this primate, Homo sapiens, propels Homo sapiens forward. So my argument in the book is that to understand us, you have to understand money mm. and you have to understand what money does to us. Now, unfortunately, a lot of the discussions about money and economics are reductive. They reduce it. My, 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 my hunch is that economists don't understand money. <laughs> That's quite a statement. No, but it's, no, it's a hunch. I don't, I don't make right. this in the book, but it's, it's, it's now that I've... But ex- explain that a little. Because they don't understand the, the dynamic nature of money. Mm. So in economics, in monetary economics, like, for example, you would be amazed to believe, I know your mouth is open, I told you, but before the 2008 crash, no macroeconomic model that was being used by any central bank anywhere in the world had a variable for money. Yes, yes, I do remember you saying that. This ridiculous idea that money is neutral, which is a neoclassical economic idea. So that basically people are so unbelievably clever that we always discount money Mm. and we don't think it does anything to us. Now, that is crazy. That's as crazy as saying the price in economics. Some people say the price in economics is that point at which demand and supply are equal. Yeah, My arse, the price gives us the horn. Price (laughs) excites people, right? Mm. Price changes us. Changes us because we 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 feel that if I get into this, all this stuff we're talking about, when the price of something goes up, it changes our behavior. Mm. When the price of something goes down, it changes. It is not only not an equilibrium price, it can never be an equilibrium because equilibrium doesn't exist in economics. So what I'm saying is in the real world. Right. I think this is my distinction also between blackboard economics and the real world, right? But does, does nature not, nature in itself 
always seeks to reach equilibrium. I, I mean, that is that is life in itself. No, I don't think so. I think that's physics. I think biology never reaches equilibrium, right? I think biology is all about, because equilibrium means that we're, we're at rest, but the world is never at rest. Biology yeah. is never at rest. Physics can be at rest every now and then, right? Now, my point is that economics, now we're going off on a real tangent here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Economics was hijacked by physics in the 20th century. And right. if you go back to the 19th century, which for me is the font of all curiosity, right? I don't know why, but I'm kind of obsessed by the 19th century, right? Yes, uh, you are. What you have <laughs> is economics is much closer to biology there. Yeah. So this idea and the, you know, the biological ideas of, of, of natural selection and all these sort of things, right? That my understanding of the way the economy works is much more closely aligned to biology than it is to mm, physics. Yeah, I understand which is, that. Which is, yeah. which is why I might be slightly, have a different view of economics to many of, mm. many of my contemporaries, our peers in the business. But to come back to the idea of money, the reason that sometimes economics doesn't look at the totality is because it just doesn't choose to. So I'll give you a good example. This week, right, there has been a profound change in expectations about money in the world, right? Yeah. So last year, we have two things, right? Last year, we have... People like me thinking, don't worry about inflation. It won't really come through. And if it does, it won't be permanent, mm. right? That view was completely wrong, right? Yeah. Inflation came through. Now, it came through due to the war in Ukraine, but it, it came through, right? Yeah. And then it stuck in the system. And therefore, people like me who were quite optimistic about it and said it'll be transitory were wrong. And that recalibrated everybody's perception of financial markets, the rate of interest, where we're going, mm. Okay. And up until about a week ago, this is the great thing, the herd can change. About a week ago, the perception was that we are going into a very, very, into a, into a sticky inflationary world where inflation remains at 10%. Central banks have to react to it. Consequently, the rate of interest is going to go much higher. Consequently, the prices of everything is going to fall. Mm. Now, what we've seen in the latest inflation data from Europe, from the US and from the UK, is that inflation looks to be actually, to have peaked and is actually coming down. If that is the case, central banks then might just say, okay, well, inflation's coming down and the perception that interest rates are going to be very, very high this year might actually turn its head. So it's quite interesting. So that's the big takeaway for this week is that the big news is this change in perception of inflation and change in the perception of money. Yeah. And... Whether central bankers decide to take their foot off the brake or not is the big question for the next couple of months. So if interest rates, you're saying the interest rates might fall. So if interest rates are, might fall, is there a risk of us going back into an era of cheap money or cheaper money? Cheapish, maybe. Yeah, Cheapish. Cheaper, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if we do, I mean, Christ, are we back, back to, the to bubble, where we, The bubble everywhere. The yeah, and bubble. crypto of right. all things. Okay, okay. Uh, no. What the danger now is that expectations. So what what drives economics and financial markets and all that side of the equation is expectations. The difference between where you expect things to do and where the outcome is. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's not the actual overall direction. Imagine just take that. What happens is energy prices are falling, and that may be a function of the hot winter here in Europe or whatever. Right? Because there still are problems. There's no snow actually in the Alps. Do you know that? There's none. Terrible for John. Terrible for John. <laughs> I'm not skiing. He's the Franz Klammer <laughs> of sound engineering. So I'll give you three things, right? One is that inflation in the United States 
seems to be coming down quicker because energy prices, gasoline prices, they talk about, mm. right? Second one is our friends, the Chinese, have gone from zero COVID to let it rip. Yeah. Now, let it rip means that COVID will actually rip through the Chinese population. Uh, apparently, I read a thing last week that says they believe that half the people in Shanghai have got COVID now. Half the people. But if it rips through the Chinese population... I saw they actually had trolleys, hospital trolleys, out on the street. Right. So Unbelievable. So, so it yeah, is. Yeah. So basically, you go, from, you go from zero COVID to COVID everywhere. Yeah. Right? But what that does for the economy, it's a very, very narrow worldview, is it means the Chinese economy opens up quicker. Mm. Right? And it opens right up that has disinflationary impact on the world because all those goods that were made in China and then were stopped being made, the prices rose, are now going to be made again. The prices are going to fall. Yeah. Take those two things together and you think maybe inflation falls. Now, if inflation falls, then the central banks of the world don't have the need to jack up interest rates. And look out 12 months, if inflation is falling, there may well reverse the interest rate rises of the last couple of months. Yeah. This then feeds into your cheapish money idea and all the gals and all the weirdos and <laughs> yeah, all yeah. the all the sort of Frankenstein, Mary Shelley-esque Frankenstein <laughs> creatures right. of uh, there's a bit of, bit of gothic here, John. <laughs> yeah. A bit of deep gothic. We're gonna have we're gonna open up they the, all come shuffling we're out. All gonna, we're gonna open up the next podcast in a graveyard. Okay. <laughs> and Frankenstein but the Frankenstein of low interest rates are all these gals of bubbles and easy money, one of them being crypto. Mm. And so what we're going to do, John, is we're going to talk about this on Thursday. Great. We're going to talk about crypto, the death of crypto, the resurrection of crypto. Does it have a stake to the heart? Or is it actually all you need is a full moon, cheap interest rates, and the gal is back? We'll talk about that on Thursday. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.